This is Connected by Nutritia, a podcast brought to you by Nutritia Ireland and designed for healthcare professionals only. Hey, welcome to our next episode of Connected by Nutritia. I'm Brody Thompson, your host for today, and I'm part of the team here at Nutritia in Ireland. This episode is part two of our two-part series on nutrition and hydration for people living with dysphagia. In part one of this series, hosted by my colleague, Neve McGettigan, a dietitian on our nutrition team here in Ireland too, she spoke to Fiona Hillen, a clinical specialist dysphagia dietitian based in Northern Ireland. So if you missed that episode, go give it a listen. It was a really great episode, Neve, and Neve is with us today. Hey, Brody. Yeah, it was a really, really interesting episode and Fiona shared some fantastic insights into her practice as a clinical specialist dysphagia dietitian. So Fiona Hillen, she's some of her success stories working as an MDT, which brings me on to our next guest, who discusses the importance of collaboration from a catering team's point of view. Nave, can you tell our listeners from what you learned with Fiona, why is this so important? Absolutely. Yeah, I guess Fiona gave us three key takeaways as dietitians, I suppose, healthcare professionals looking after people living with dysphagia. And one of those was around upskilling and looking to really extend our knowledge on dysphagia, on ISDI descriptors, to upskill in terms of picking drinks and all of those kind of points, joining in on catering audits and trying to get training really wherever possible. So I think it'll be really, really interesting to talk about all things dysphagia from a catering perspective today and offer our listeners an opportunity to see it from the other side. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to get stuck into our next episode today. Um, So yeah, let's go. So we're joined by our main uh, guest on the episode today. Hi everyone, Um, my name is Neve Condon and I'm also known as Dysphagia Chef. I'm living in Cork for the last 15, 20 years and I am originally from Ennis. Where did I start out as a chef? It came from when I started working in my uncle's butcher shop. And I was in there and getting my hands stuck in food, watching and customer service was a big thing. You would actually bring the shopping to the customer's house or even to their car. Why has that got anything to do with food, you say? But it does, I think, the element to please. I think you have such a way with people as well. Like it's definitely something I've noticed whenever I've spoken to you. Um, that, yeah, you have a, an amazing way with people. It's down, I think it's down to, yes, being a chef, Our aim always is to please our diners or please our customers. It comes from within, really. And working as a chef, yeah, you get to see people's faces while they eat in some circumstances. But in other circumstances where you don't get to see people eating and enjoy the food, you get to see the empty plates coming back to the kitchen. And that's that's incredible. So how did you get to where you are now? That's another um, accidental Um, career move. I was working as a caterer for a number of years. I had done various different roles, but it was when the owner of the nursing home in West Cork asked me to be their head chef. I thought, okay, I'll give it a go for a bit, but I'm not sure. I just thought that going into an aged care facility, I would get bored. I, I didn't know what I was, what to expect. So I went in with the understanding that I had to cook meat and vegetables every day, feed 50 people and provide good nutritious food. 
But when I was there, I learned very quickly that there was more to it. You had um, diabetic people. You also had people that had renal failure. You all, you had obviously then dysphagia. I never heard the word dysphagia in my life up to that point. Um, it wasn't something that was ever spoken about um, throughout my catering and my cooking career. So I had to ask the question, what is dysphagia and who can tell me? I had to do a lot of research on my own and ask questions, look for people. Trying to find a dietitian was like trying to find a needle in a haystack. And, and the same with speech and language therapists. They were just so busy. So a lot of my research went online and, and asking questions to speech and language therapists, dietitians. The more I asked, the more information I got the more, I suppose, networking and relationships that I built with all of these people. Yeah. And they were very forthcoming with their information, to be fair. And I think as well, I, um, I know about a project that you did. We spent three days eating a dysphagia diet. So I imagine that probably informed your work as a dysphagia chef as well. Yeah, I think I went into that slightly blindfolded and not realizing what I was getting myself into. Um, myself and another dietitian, what we did actually was we ended up setting up my own kitchen here at home and modified every bit of food down to our drinks for three days. So we had breakfast, lunch and dinner. And we also had to have desserts. And you do. we had our, <laughs> our drinks were, th- were thickened as well. So we had level four fluids for three days as well. We learned so much. I, uh, half of it, I've, I only remember every time we talk about it but the main thing for me was I puree food and I add a little thickener that's the correct way now now that I've done the diet and tasted the food the difference in the food is there's just no comparison whatsoever and I hear you're doing it again in June so what will you do differently this time oh what will I do differently I will try to drink more fluids last time I didn't drink enough I didn't like the fluids. I didn't like water. Um, I think it was more a social thing because obviously I, I'm a healthy adult and I'm able to go out and socialize. But I didn't like the fact that I had to thicken all of my fluids in, in public, in front of people. People thought I was adding sugar to my drinks. They were saying, what is she doing? And then I had to spoon my drink. So the social side of it is different. What would I change? I definitely get a wider cup so I can drink my fluids better. Um, and the food, I think now that I'm, I'm doing it definitely different and probably more correct than what I was initially, I'll be able to manage more salads so they're more portable. The desserts were never an option or not an option. They were never an issue because they were you you would imagine dessert to be smooth anyway like a cheesecake topping or a mousse so desserts naturally you you would say they're okay so desserts were never the problem it was the fluids problem for me more than the food because the food didn't change the taste was still there I might just jump in there as well um Eve, it's really interesting to hear about that project and the collaboration you had with a dietitian sounds fantastic and probably something all of us as HCPs should have some experience with you know, really stepping into the patient's shoes, as you said. It was interesting to hear some of the kind of practical aspects and also then some of the, the challenges from the patient's perspective. And I'm wondering, as a dietitian, 
what is our biggest challenge in, in helping, you know, to overcome these challenges that patients are facing? Um, or the people, I guess, with dysphagia are living with every day. From your experience doing that challenge and collaborating with a dietitian, what do you think are the things that, that we as HCPs can do to, to help over, overcome those, those challenges for patients? That's a good question. It's a case of, I think a lot of it is, is just normalizing it and sitting around the table. So what I mean by sitting around the table is enjoy a meal with somebody. Um, as a HCP, if you were trying to get people to actually eat or drink, it might be no harm that you would sit and have the same meal or the same drink as that person so they don't feel isolated. There's nothing, there's nothing at all different about it. it. Yes, the texture is slightly different, but it's the same drink, it's the same food. Um, I think not, you, do, you wouldn't have to do it all the time. I just think it might help that people feel not isolated and they're not left in the corner. Sometimes people were even eating on their own. They would refuse to come out of their room because they felt that things were just different with everybody else. And the same offering wouldn't be there for people with dysphagia as everybody else. So let's just take, for example, you have fish and chips on the menu today for everybody else in the nursing home. What's on the menu for somebody that has dysphagia? They might be just getting a shepherd's pie or a cottage pie or even a fish pie. They may not be getting the same flavors. And it's quite simple to change it. It's just a matter of think outside that box. Yeah, and there's loads there. You know, even I'm reflecting back on my time working as a clinical dietitian. And, you know, we did this, uh, we had a fantastic initiative in the hospital called Come Dine With Me, where we got a small group of patients together and they sat and had their food together. And I'm reflecting back and thinking now, you know, how could we maybe have improved that experience for people living with dysphagia? We had an absolutely fantastic catering department that went above and beyond for, for every patient and every person in the hospital. But, you know, even for myself, is it a case of me sitting down and, and having something texture modified or a thickened fluid or something like that? I'm really getting on the patient's level. Um, that, that quality of life aspect and that social aspect and all of these things that are so important to us as, as people, it's, it's so important that as healthcare professionals, we really embed that in, in the center of our care for these patients and people living with dysphagia. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good point. And the, the thing of sitting down and having a meal, it doesn't have to be a meal. It can be the simple cup of tea. Like older people love to sit and chat and have a cup of tea. Now, I personally don't drink tea, but I, I definitely love a cup of coffee. And even if you were to have your coffee, sit down and have a chat with somebody, they might even engage in, and have more of their food and their drinks. So powerful. Yeah, definitely. From what you're saying there, I love it. We've got Neve and Neve. So I'm directing this to you, Neve Condon. Your main goal uh, is to have people with dysphagia enjoy their meals and, you know, eat the food and, and drink the drink. Yeah, certainly. I, I did think I cracked it a couple of years back where I thought, okay, I've, I've got this. I have to make this work. So I came out of the kitchen to observe what I had done. And what I had done was nothing, nothing to be shouting about from the rooftops, but we decided we would puree the food individually. And yes, we used ice cream scoops to, to plate it up until a lady decided to say, oh my God, ice cream. She was so looking forward to her dinner or her ice cream even. And I just said, oh my God, it's no, this is her dinner. She refused to eat her food because she just presumed it was ice cream. 
we need to make it look better so that they understand what they're eating. Yeah, it would be quite a shock to the system if you're expecting to get ice cream and uh, you get a spoonful of um, potato. Yeah, and I mean, roast beef with gravy, I mean, it's lovely when, you, when you're expecting roast beef with gravy, but not if you're, if you're looking at it and thinking, okay, this is my chocolate ice cream and chocolate sauce. So, yeah, it is important. Yeah, it'd be really, uh, really confusing too. Um, and yeah, so thank you for that, Neve Condon. Um, I want to direct this question to you, Neve McGettigan. Um, so yeah, as a dietitian, what would your main goal be for people with dysphagia? Yeah, it, it's a good question, Brody. I suppose as dietitians, we have we've loads of goals, and we're we're trying to monitor a number of things, um, you know, functional outcomes and how do we optimize nutritional intake. And I think as a profession, we are really good at putting quality of life at, at the center of our care plans as well. Um, so it's, it's, it just kind of shows that, you know, myself and Neve, there's a lot of crossover in what we're trying to achieve there. You know, Neve, you're trying to present fabulous food that um, people with dysphagia will enjoy and will finish and talking about those empty plates going back. I think all of us dietitians um, and all our dietitian listeners, we enjoy our food and we want our patients to do the same. Yeah, that's another good point there as well. As a dietitian, on your point of view then, Neve you're interested in trying to get the nutrients into people. And my goal is to get food and, a, and maximum nutrition into people. So that's where my collaboration with dietitians comes into play. And I think it's really important that that relationship is built between chefs and dietitians, that the chef understands what's needed on the plate and the dietitian understands the struggles the chef's facing then when they modify the food. So it's a case of everybody has a seat at that table to try and figure it out. Yeah, it's actually, it's really interesting. Yeah, so as a dietitian, Neve McGettigan and Neve Condon as a dysphagia chef, they definitely share, you know, a common goal there of the best outcome for a patient with dysphagia. Yeah, absolutely, Brody. Um, and I think that that really highlights how important our partnership and our collaboration as dietitians working alongside catering departments and not only as dietitians, I suppose I'm, I'm coming from a healthcare professional point of view here. I'm thinking, what could I do as a healthcare professional? So that's, you know, dietitians listening, SLTs listening. How can we better support the collaboration between be it hospital kitchens or, you know, catering departments in the nursing home setting? How do we support that collaboration to achieve those common goals? I would say... And it's very daunting in one sense. I would say jump into the kitchen, put on a white coat and a hairnet, go into the kitchen, talk to the chef. Um, don't be afraid of the chefs. They're not all Gordon Ramsay's. But just go go in, have a chat and see see how things are done. See how they're struggling with certain elements and then you'll have more of an understanding. They won't feel so terrified when they hear the dietitians coming into the kitchen we're very protective over our menus and our food and we don't like people criticizing it that's not the case they need to open up they need to understand you you need to understand them and it's the same for a speech and language therapist it would be great if that element of openness between all all of the healthcare professionals is there that we can actually just chat about it and not feel that one is picking at the other. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And, you know, even in, in my clinical experience, I popped my head into the kitchen, you know, with a special request here and there. Mm. Um, but I never got the white jacket on. I never put the hair knot on. I never really got stuck into that work. And 
yeah. I think it's important from from our side to to understand those practical challenges, you know, be it time management and, you know, keeping the food warm and all of these things that, you know, I probably don't have enough insight into. Um, but I think that's that's really helpful advice for for dietitians and SLTs, you know, to, to not be afraid to get stuck in. And you mentioned at the start, Neve, that, you know, you went hunting for the answers. Um, we were chasing dietitians and SLTs. And maybe it's up to us as well to do a bit of chasing on the catering side and to, to hunt down those answers in how can we work together and make sure that patients and people living with dysphagia are getting good quality, attractively presented meals um, that they're going to enjoy and finish and clear the plate. Another thing you'd mentioned that I found quite interesting was around your struggle with hydration and, and how hard it was to get the fluids in. Um, and I suppose that's the importance of, you know, and there's a, there's a wider team involved here. Sometimes in the hospital setting, we, and I know locally, we had an initiative where, um, you know, every contact counted and you'd encourage any HCPs heading into the patient to pour them a drink. Um, I suppose there's probably that bit of nervousness when it comes to dysphagia, um, you know, and, and not thickening the drink or not being sure how to thicken the drink. But it's really important as healthcare professionals for us to be confident in picking drinks. Um, I know on your social media, you've shared pictures of cups of teas that um, <laughs> certainly don't look like a cup of tea. Um, yeah. But that, that hydration element is so important. And we should all be confident in picking drinks um, at board level or, you know, if it's even for, for people caring for patients with dysphagia or people at home with dysphagia, giving them that confidence heading home or people thickening their own drinks, even in that social setting, giving them a bit of confidence there so that the fluid is drinkable and that there isn't, you know, it is properly thickened. Yeah. And it's so easy to do it right. It's not, it doesn't take any longer to do it right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. When I'm doing it now going forward in a couple of weeks time, I actually have a plan in place. So I know I'm going to have, I'm going to have little bottles ready and I'm going to have them there so that I'm not going to dehydrate for any length of time. Because the last time my head was bursting because I had no fluids whatsoever. My mouth was dry. My skin was dry. It was just, it was unreal. Yeah. That's, it's, it's really good to get that insight from your side, you know? Um, and I suppose even putting yourself in the person's shoes, when they're not feeling that well, or, you know, if there's all these other things going on, you know, you're healthy and doing this out of, out of interest and a kind of a research project. But when there's so much else going on for the patient, you can imagine the added challenges. Um, and yeah, just coming back to that point about, you know, how, how do we as SLTs, dietitians, um, catering departments or any kind of healthcare professionals support the patient to meet their nutrition and hydration needs? Yeah. Yeah, it is that it is that worry all the time about um, how do we bring everything together? And a lot of the time it just needs focus groups, as I call them. It's just mini meetings. So every day, I think just five minutes, it only takes five minutes. Just get all your healthcare professionals, do it on the handover and pick one person out of that and say, do you know how to thicken a drink? Can you show me? Just keep it simple. Start with drinks, move on to something else. Ask them, do they understand what the food looks like when it's pureed incorrectly? If everybody has the understanding, then we'll all be on the same page. Nave Condon, so you've mentioned previously about enjoyment of food. Um, we eat with our eyes and um, 
it's not just about the taste, but the taste is important too. So like, you know, adding slackner, it doesn't necessarily change or it doesn't change the taste of the food, does it? No, not at all. It doesn't change the taste of the food whatsoever. It, especially when it's done right. It took me a while to get it right, um, which is why I'm going back to do this challenge. Um, and even so much so that when we did videos last year, uh, we even had the cameraman want to taste the food and he loved it. He didn't think there was anything different about the food. It does not change the taste. Yeah. So just those, those videos that you mentioned there, um, you know, just coming back to that, really, like, you know, it is not just about the taste, but the taste is so important. But, you know, it has to look good, too. And um, those videos that you just alluded to, we worked together on those last year. That's actually where we met. It's a bit crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. It's crazy how time flies in lockdown. It's like the the weirdest kind of time travel. Um, (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so food has to look good, too. And we've talked a lot about people with dysphagia um, that receive modified texture meals in care, whether it's hospitals or residential care facilities. Um, But there's also plenty of people living at home with dysphagia And, you know, when it comes to them or their carers um, preparing their food, you know, like it's really important that we don't forget these people. And um, I think this is when we can come back to talking about those videos is that, you know, do you want to run us through the videos? I know that like I was there, um, but I think you knew what you're doing. (laughs) I was just watching in awe. (laughs) Well, those videos are actually really, really good for someone that, is starting out number one, but even for people just to improve their skills for somebody at home that's caring for somebody or even cooking for themselves, they really show you the detail. I mean, my camera, when I was doing home videos here with my phone, it doesn't go into that detail. We had two cameras on the food at different angles. So you really got a zoom, an up close view of what was happening with the food. And it showed you how simple it was. We didn't use any commercial blenders on those videos whatsoever. Everything is household. I want to show people that it can be done at home and you don't need expensive equipment and you don't need, you just, all you need is just a small bit of imagination. Cling film was my my friend and a sieve. The most important thing you'll have is the sieve. So it's just simple tips. Maybe a few disposable piping bags if you want to go down that road, they're not necessary. So I think, like, re- reflecting on those videos as well, um, we will tell you at the end of the episode where you can watch them um, for our listeners. But what, you know, what really came across for me was, you know, not only watching you create the food, but, you know, watching the videos back now, is that your passion for dysphagia food and creating food that not only tastes good, but uh, looks good, really comes through. And I think um, the fact that, you know, you're able to convince, well, you didn't even need to convince the cameraman to, to eat um you know it was it's level four wasn't it um do you remember what meal it was it was the full irish breakfast he wants i think it was morning time that we we did that quite early and he just said i'm starving can i taste it and i said by all means happy to i think as well though presentation for me is important because i've seen the benefits of what it's like to give somebody a really good plate of food and also i was in the shoes of chefs that are probably struggling as well at the moment and give something that is not as good. So I've seen when the food comes back and it's it's when people eat and I've seen the benefits of them eating and when they drink, they're just so much happier. They're not agitated either. So all rounder, it's, it's a no brainer for me. Just small tweaks will do it. Yeah. 
And you know what I love about um, those videos in particular? The egg, <laughs> the fried egg. It sounds daft, but it, it came, I came across doing the egg by accident because, yes, we, we need to blend things individually. And in the past, we were giving people scrambled egg. I'm like, well, why can't we give them a fried egg? So I tried it. The fried egg worked. And it's like, whoa, Eureka, people are eating and they can see that it's a fried egg. I love that, Neve. I love that, you know, these foods that um, sometimes we instantly think with dysphagia that somebody can't have. I'm thinking back on that presentation you did a few years ago. Um, you offered one half of the room biscuits and I was unfortunately sitting on the other half of the room and I hadn't met you at that point, but you you didn't offer my side of the room any biscuits. And I, I honestly sat there and I, and I was just so insulted. Um, but that's how you opened the presentation was that, you know, we should be offering these foods to every person. Um, just because somebody is living with dysphagia, it doesn't mean that they shouldn't enjoy their chocolate biscuits anymore. Yes, they have to be modified, but you know, from, from the incredible work you've done, that's possible. It's that bit of confidence for people, um, you know, for people going home, there's an overwhelming amount of information to take in, be it the person themselves or, you know, the carer or you know family members when they're thinking of all these things they have to remember and the modified diet and fluids might only be one small aspect of all the things they've been told but I suppose having these practical resources where it really breaks it down they can press pause and it's just really to give them that inspiration and the confidence going home that you know they can really you know serve all those favorite foods again um, and it doesn't have to be an overly, overly restrictive diet. No, it doesn't. And it, again, you, you mentioned something there about um, time, uh, the time it takes to make certain foods. Not everybody's going to eat a full Irish. My grandmother would freak if you gave her a full Irish breakfast. She would eat maybe a sausage and might eat an egg with that and maybe a grilled tomato. She wouldn't eat much more than that. But the point of showing the full Irish breakfast was to show that it can be done. There's nothing that can't be done. There are a few things that are awkward, but everything should be considered. And we, we can do things and have them prepared in advance. And some of those videos highlight that as well, that you can have things ready and prepared, that you're not always fighting that uphill battle in a commercial kitchen, in residential, where you're worried about, oh, I don't have time to do this. So it's, a, it's about, it's a, it's a balance and you need to figure out your time management side of things. And if you look at all of it as well, it's, it all, there's no real set recipes. It's all the same procedure. Yes, there are recipes to follow, but if you follow the procedure, you nearly always get it right. So you blend your food. Um, you might have to add some liquid depending on the food, um, little by little, add it like salt is my, is my motto. And then judge that and add a small bit of thickener to the food. You don't use thickener to thicken food, which was my mistake initially. You use thickener to prevent the water from leaking from the food. And that's the key. So we only add a tiny amount. Yeah, that safety component. So it's really just making sure that the meals are safe and there's no split consistencies or runoff fluid in that. Um, I think for me, you know, I was so lucky to get to be there on the day, the two days um, that you recorded the videos and just even to get those insights. I suppose that was my opportunity to put on the white coat and uh, throw on the hairnet and really get into, you know, see it from the chef's side. 
and look at the challenges from that perspective and also look at the amazing opportunities um, with dysphagia meals. And thankfully, I think, thanks to people like you, Neve, that, you know, that is starting to change the standards around the meals. Um, dysphagia meals or texture modified food and fluids that's really improving and it's just such a positive thing to see and better quality meals um, optimizing nutrition and that's what we talk about as well how how do you fortify the foods and I guess that's where the dietitian comes in as well and that partnership and working hand in hand yeah definitely it's it's definitely a partnership that needs to be embraced and from all angles definitely and I think as well um you know, what you do, Neve Condon, is such an inspiration. This has been so insightful. I've definitely learned a lot more. You know, I mean, at the same time, while everyone says, yeah, that the food is great and it's great that you've gone off and you've done it, but I wouldn't be able to do it without people like Neve and Grania Kent and, oh my God, there's so many people that I've met virtually, believe it or not, never met them in person, um, only, only a few that have definitely helped me develop this further. And without that, where would we be? We, I've seen loads of people now sending some pictures in and there's some fantastic food out there now, dysphagia food. Yeah, and we can't wait to see what you come up with next as well. No pressure. <laughs> it brings us through to our quick fire round. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think the first quick fire question I'm going to ask you, this is just so our listeners can get to know the real name. <laughs> the Neve Condon outside the dysphagia chef. Um, so what would be your dream job if you weren't a chef and why? <laughs> I'm laughing at that because I actually wanted to be a dietitian. Um, I worked shadowed a dietitian in the Matter Hospital when I was 17 with a school friend, Anne-Marie Brennan, who is now the lead dietitian in the CUMH in Cork. So she went on and she did her dietitian, but I ended up sticking with the food. And, um, well, I, yeah, like I don't think you should second guess it at all because you have been doing some study to as well, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I went, I, I don't know, was it a stroke of madness? When you get older, you th- you're supposed to get wiser, but I seem to go backwards. So I went back and I studied food science last year um, through TU Dublin. And that's been a challenge in itself because it's all online I bet. I think it's all, it's like this chat now that we're having, ideally we would be having it in person, but we're having to have it, uh, you know, <laughs> online. And I'm currently, you know, in the, in the spare bedroom. And I know that we're all sort of in our houses and funny places um, trying to get the best sound quality. Um, so we've gone a little bit off track there. I think the next uh, quick fire question I had to ask you was, um, what's the least expensive, but most valuable thing you've bought? The least expensive. I'm going to go back to the, the kitchen again. I'm sorry, but it's the sieve. It's like three, <laughs> it's, it's like what? Three, four euros. Um, it's three, four euros. And it's like, I can't live without it. <laughs> now, if you ask me about makeup, it would be a different story, but it's the sieve. Sorry. There you go. I love it. No, I love it. And I, <laughs> after watching those, uh, after watching the, the meal prep videos being made, I can completely understand why. Okay, and on to our next question. Um, this is our final question for our quick fire round. Um, desert island dish, or I suppose we can have lockdown dish. So what meal did you miss the most over lockdown? Or if you were stranded on a, on a desert island, what, what dish would it be? Would it be the, the full Irish breakfast? <laughs> no, my mother's lasagna. 
that's what oh. it would be yeah. or any food any food that somebody else would cook for me anything beans and toast would do if you cooked it and you cleaned up I'd be happy but the cleaning up was more important than the food <laughs> I'll come move in and do all your dishes <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah in regards to the meal prep videos I know we've talked about them a lot um but they can be found on um yeah they're on nutrition.ie um they're either under the healthy professional resources, but they all they are also available for um, patients and carers too. And then they're also available on Nutrition's YouTube. So we'll include the link to those in the bio for this episode. Um, Neve Condon, coming back to you, where can listeners, you know, find out more or you know, see some of your amazing presentations of Isti Food? Yeah, where, where and how and... <laughs> where am I? <laughs> I'm on Instagram as Dysphagia Chef and most of the stuff I do is up on that. So you'll get a lot of tips and hints, pictures, some mini videos. In regards to your Insta and your Twitter, what are your handles? Oh, um, at Dysphagia Chef for Instagram and Twitter is Neve's Kitchen. Perfect. And your website? <laughs> My website is Dining with Dignity. I set that up last year. Who, who leaves a full-time job to set up a business training chefs in the middle of a pandemic? Someone incredibly brave and inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that brings us to a close there, Neve Condon and Neve McGettigan, the Neve and the Neve. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you both here with me today, um, Neve Condon and Neve McGettigan. So I can't thank you enough for your time. And it's been so great as well just to understand more you know around that it's not just the taste that's important it's the it's the presentation and I'm so glad that we have these videos that we can share um so yeah thank you both thanks very much for having me and thanks Neve for sharing some of those really really key insights on you know that working partnership and that collaboration between the HCP teams and the catering teams hopefully this podcast will inspire some of you to so, you know, really get stuck in and as Neve said, get yourself into the kitchen and yeah, just really, I suppose, to work together and support patients as best as possible. All right. Thank you both. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. 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 <laughs> this is Connected by Nutrition, a podcast brought to you by Nutrition Ireland and designed for healthcare professionals only.